Welcome to the Men and Hoodies podcast, where we take you on an excursion through everything in the sports world. Trending news, hot conversations, heated debates, and unlike shows such as First Take and Undisputed, things that you, the listeners, actually want to hear. Let's now go to your hosts, Brent Lyons, Roman Cleary, and Jake Stoop. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 27 of the Men and Hoodies podcast. We're pumped to have you listening today. It was a wild, wild week in college football. We're going to get into that. Also, it was Feast Week in college basketball, so we had all of the NCAA action this week. But you know we've been doing these trivia quizzes. We've been going over our favorite teams, seeing what we can do, the knowledge that we have. Carson started us out. She went three for five. Then we had Roman on the episode that never aired. He went five for five, 100% on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Brylon and Jack did not do so hot on just random sports trivia, went three for five. Brent went three for five last week. But this week, we got me and Roman being quizzed on Memphis Tigers sports, basketball, and football. Brent, you'll be leading this discussion. Give Mm -hmm. us your opening comments, and how do you think we're going to do? All right, so just to give you a preview of the questions, I'll just give you the sport rundown for the five questions because it is between both football and basketball. So the first question will be about football, Memphis, college football. All these are college questions. Uh, College football, Memphis. Well, just wanted you to know I didn't surprise you with any Grizz. (laughs) Any Grizz knowledge. Uh, there we go. And then number two and three are both basketball. Uh, number okay. four is uh, football. And number five, we'll go back to basketball. So two football, three basketball. Uh, I like you, it. Just, you can either work together or it can be first to answer, however you two would like to uh, divvy that up. Um, okay. Well, but, let us both answer. Don't tell us the answer until we, we both guess. I'll, add, I'll ask to make sure it's your final answer before I give you the answer. All right. Sounds good. I'm ready. Let's get it. All right. First question. Memphis football's all-time pass leader. Brady White. Is it Danny Wimprine? Are both of those your final answers? Yes. Yeah, sure. Whatever. Brady White is the correct answer. Let's go, baby. Let's go. 10,690 yards. Yes, sir. Oh. Good job, Jake. I remember, Jake. I remember. Well, he played like four or five seasons, so you've got to. Guess oh him. yeah, Brady I think it was Riley Ferguson before that, and then Brady came along, and yes, sir, and then he came and along and took it. Paxton Lynch the before that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Brady had a lot of good wide receivers. It was pretty easy for him. <laughs> All right, so Jake one for one, Roman zero for one. We'll get to the basketball first. Basketball question right here. When was the first time Memphis basketball was ranked number one in the nation in both polls? Wait, it was 2008, Whoa. obviously. Um, I've got a feeling it was before that. No, it was um, 08. I know. It. I think it was. It may have been. It may have been that season, but it probably would have come in 2007. Oh, final. No, we're huh? we're answering the same thing then, right? 07, 08 season. Yeah, that that's what I would say, but I'm I'm assuming it came before January. I think it, it I think it came in the calendar year away, but yeah. Okay. Final answers? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Nineteen eighty two was really? the really? basketball's first. Was that ever like Elliot Perry? National No, ranking. that was no Elliot Perry was like late eighties. Okay. Early nineties. I knew it was eighties, but okay. Huh, interesting. Yeah. I, I had it a was, feeling it wasn't 08, but I don't know. An overall record of 24 and 5 that season. So it was it was a pretty good year. 
uh, Keith Leaf was on that team. He went on to okay. play in the NBA. Um, but that was that was the first time they ever were ranked number one in both polls. I'm assuming the AP and the coaches poll. Um, so, so I'm really glad you did that question. So now you know that like Memphis basketball truly is historic. That that should tell you right there. Yeah, because they then went on to win that year, right? It's like, no, we've yeah. never won a championship. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, why'd you bring that up? <laughs> Question number three, who did the Tigers lose to when they made it to the national championship for the first time in 1973? John Wood and UCLA. See, UCLA was good back then. Um, if Roman knew so fast, then I'm going to say UCLA. But if I had another guess, it would be the University of Las Vegas, UNLV. Well, it's always good to go with the gut. Uh, maybe not your own gut, but you went with somebody's gut, and it was Romans, and that's right. It was John yes, Wood and UCLA. So Jake is now two for three, piggybacking off Roman there, and Roman gets his first. He is now one for three, and we're moving on to question four. Back see to that, see that's your fault for answering first, man. You got you got to wait if you know it that quick. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't care. I'm to get it right. <laughs> I give him the credit anyway. Uh, okay, what was Memphis football's best record ever, and when was it? It was. Um, it was eleven and it, one, or twelve, or twelve and two. Yeah, twelve in and two in twenty nineteen season. <coughs> Final answers. Yeah, yes. twelve and two in twenty nineteen. Ding 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 ding. Yes, sir. Bonus points for who they lost to. Penn State. Penn State. And... Yes, <laughs> that was the uh, Joy Magnifico. It was a catch that they pulled back. We should have won that game. It should be 13-1. and one. Correct. With a win against Penn State? No, with a win over Temple. It was, right, Joey so Magnifico up. caught it. In the, no, we in don't the care. Position. We right. care. <laughs> it was like four years ago almost. I think I think you can get over it. Uh, no, no, I'm not over that season at all. We will never <laughs> be over that it. season right now. I bet you would. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That was the uh, before Ryan Silverfield era until the it was last the best game. year ever. <laughs> it was the best season ever. That's why. That's why. The question. All right. All right. <laughs> last question. Who is Memphis basketball's all-time leader in regular season wins as a head coach? It's Calipari. Has to be. He racked up so many twenty and thirty win seasons. Has to be him. Um, I feel like it. It's probably Calipari. Like but I was I'm gonna not, say I'm, Finch, but no, it, it has to be Calipari. It, I'm gonna go Finch. That's who I would say. Are those both your final answers? Yes. Yeah. You are both incorrect. Oh, it's Dana Curry. It, for the love of God, isn't it? It is not. Was it Perry? It is not. What? Who is it, Brian, Brian Winters was also the first head coach that Memphis ever had. Oh, Bruh. my God. That's, that's <laughs> bull. <laughs> that's bull. Was that like 50s, 40s? Oh, come on. <laughs> I remember before we started, Rome was like, there's no way he pulls out anything deeper than the 80s or 90s. And I didn't even have to. It's just fact. He's one more. 
Oh my goodness. <laughs> Who was second? I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, I Brian feel like it went... was Finch. I think it was Finch too. His Calipari was it was good. He probably lost like was it three three games, two thousand eight. Yeah, I feel like it was. I'm looking. We're like look, I'm looking it up right now. Um, man, we still I still find a way to go three for five. That sucks. That sucks. <laughs> it's okay, guys. Well, Roman, you hold the lead. Um, five out of five. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah, at least uh, no one can beat five out of five. There you go. You will you will always hold that title, it looks like. Ren, did you find it? No, I stopped looking. Gotcha. Well, thank you, Brent, <laughs> for coming up with those questions. Um, oh, they were, they were pretty has recent. The winning percentage. Ah. Uh, that's that's where it got me. Gotcha. Man. Gotcha. Brent, we appreciate you um, for coming up with those questions. Hopefully you realize that. Memphis basketball is pretty supreme, um, so I'm very thankful that we gave you that task. But today, let's get into the yeah, college football yeah. discussions. It was pretty pretty rough for a lot of the top schools. We're recording this late Saturday night. Ohio State took the L. LSU took the L. Just a lot of stuff went down today, but we're going to hone in for now on the Ohio State-Michigan game in the shoe in Ohio State. Michigan took the win, 45-23 Roman. What was the key factor in why Ohio State lost today? Well, for me, it really comes down to offensively, Ohio State just didn't have a balanced attack at all. C.J. Stroud passed the ball 48 times, going 31 of 48 for 349 yards, two touchdowns, but also two interceptions. Uh, DeMonte Trianum came in for Travion Henderson, only rushed the ball 14 times for 83 yards, you know, averaging six yards to carry. So it's somewhat surprising that Ohio State didn't try to go with the running attack a bit more, but I guess they just felt confident in C.J. Stroud's ability to get it done through the air. You know, everyone wants to talk about Blake Corum being out for Michigan, but you can't forget about both Jackson Smith and Jigba and, like I just said, Travion Henderson being out for Ohio State. Travion Henderson is obviously Ohio State's top back, and at least in my opinion, JSN is still Ohio State's top wideout. So when both of those guys are out, Ohio State's ability, you know, on, on the offensive side of the football, it's difficult. You know, it's it's very limited. Defensively, they just didn't give enough respect to Michigan, in my opinion. They were like, okay, Corm's out. Let's really hone in on the run. They didn't even do that. Donovan Edwards went off for uh, 216 yards on the ground with 22 carries, two touchdowns. He averaged 10 yards a carry. That's wild. And J.J. McCarthy was far from great. He only had a 50% completion percentage. 12 of 24 for 263, but he passed for three touchdowns. Cornelius Johnson caught two of them. So to me, this was really just a statement game for Michigan. They came in with something to prove. They were the more physical team. They wanted it more. And yeah, hats off to the Wolverines for getting by far the most impressive win of this college football season. And Brent, to go back to you, what did Michigan do well specifically? Why in the world were they able to completely shut down Ohio State? Well, when you look at it, they didn't completely shut down Ohio State. Like, in the first half, this was still a good game. They're actually losing at halftime, which contradictory to what you said, Jake. You thought Michigan would be winning at halftime, but ultimately Ohio State would win. Uh, They were down – what was it? Three. Three, yeah, 20-17 to at halftime. Sorry, I got the scores flipped. 
um, 20 to 17 at halftime. And it really wasn't until the fourth quarter that they really took off. Um, turnovers defense was huge today uh, for Michigan late down the stretch. They just took advantage of Ohio State, um, got some interceptions, which helped them seal the deal. But also an 85-yard run and two 75-yard runs, mm-hmm. that's wild. Edwards just completely popped off, had one of the crazier stat lines I've seen in a college game. 22 attempts, well, 22 rushing attempts for 216 yards and two touchdowns with a long of 85 yards, that one touchdown run he had coming off the 75-yard touchdown run in the fourth quarter. That's insane. But on top of that, Johnson, the rec- one of the receivers um, – sorry, Cornelius Johnson, one of the receivers from Michigan – had 160 yards on four receptions and two touchdowns. That's wild. So just an over-dominant performance from some of their better players today. Um, obviously, Blake Quorum. Uh, I mean, technically, I said if he plays, I think Michigan could win. He did take two two rushing attempts today, so maybe that played a factor in it. But Blake Quorum really not a factor in today's game. Um, so people, the the rest of the Wolverines really picked up the slag and help in in an attempt to help them win the game as well as McCarthy, just another outstanding performance for him. Three touchdowns on 263 yards, 12 for 24. Uh, just an amazing day to be a Wolverine. Two years straight that Michigan has mm-hmm. beat Ohio State now, which if you would have said that just three years ago, that would have sound, sounded wild. So I think it's a really big win for Michigan. Um, obviously, uh, not an awful loss for Ohio State. I mean, the score you would have liked to look better, but you're losing to the number three team in the country. So that's that can never be taken too roughly yeah it may not be taken too roughly when it comes to the college ball playoff committee but it, it's definitely taken roughly if you live in ohio i mean everybody just completely devastated by this loss you could see it in the fans eyes as they were watching the field as michigan just came over again and again and again scoring like 75 plus yard touchdowns three or four times in this game and typically it's ohio state doing that when we talk Good. about ohio state earlier in the season it's usually they kind of get off to a rough start and then pile up a bunch of 50-yard touchdowns in order to get back in the game. And I hate that I didn't really think of that when I was thinking about who to pick for this game, who to predict. Because Ohio State, the way they like to play is when it comes to ground and pound, they're not that team. They're just going to light you up on the scoreboard, throw a bunch of long bombs to get back in the game. But this time, once they got tired, once they got into that third quarter and it really became – that grit-for-grit rivalry game, Michigan just completely owned the line of scrimmage. There was no challenge for them on the offensive end because they were just able to run through Ohio State. And I know Ohio State has had some trouble defensively giving up, I think it was 30 last week to Maryland, and then other games before that where they just allowed too much on the defensive end. I know that they've struggled, but to give up 45 to Michigan, to only put up 17 at home, really 14 if you don't want to count that last-second field goal, against Illinois last week. That is just – it's downright embarrassing. And this will lead us into our next conversation here. With a loss like this, like, it would have been really respectable if it was, like, a touchdown or in. Like, you're – in my opinion, you're an automatic lock even with um, even with the loss to Michigan here. But now you lose by more than three touchdowns. Roman, what is your opinion? What does this do to their playoff chances at this point? Well, to me, the margin of loss doesn't exactly play a factor – in Ohio State's playoff chances. It really comes down to what's going on around them. Mm-hmm. I mean, Michigan's now undefeated going to the Big Ten Championship, obviously. Georgia, undefeated going to the Big Ten Championship. St. TCU, undefeated going to the Big 12 title game. And USC, 
just got a big win over a top 15 team in Notre Dame. And they are now going to the Pac-12 championship. Can you really put in a one-loss Ohio State <laughs> that isn't a conference champion over a one-loss USC team who most likely will be a conference champion? I don't really think you can do that. So Ohio State, in my opinion, does obviously deserve a shot still at the playoff. But based on what's going on around them, unless something unpredictable happens, it's going to be tough for the Buckeyes to sneak into that fourth spot. Brent, thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I agree with Roman. I don't think this affects necessarily the the Michigan-Ohio State game affects their chances of making the playoffs. Obviously, if they win, they're pretty much in as long as they beat Purdue. But which is crazy that Purdue is going to be the team that Michigan plays uh, eight and four. That's wild. Um, but I just think that it doesn't affect them as much. Of course, like I said, if they won, it would have made a lot more made it a lot more easier. But again, I agree with Roman. I think it comes down to who's around them. Um, hoping that TCU or USC loses next week, um, but they're kind of just sitting, waiting, seeing what happens. But I don't think that this somebody had to lose. We knew coming into this week that somebody had to lose. And of the two teams, the team that's better off with the loss, with the best chance to still make it, Michigan or Ohio State. Ohio State was definitely the team that, if they lost, still had the better chance to make it. And they still do, in my opinion. Hmm. Yeah, if we look at what's happening around them, LSU with that fifth spot, they're now out of it. They lost to Texas A&M, who just improved to five and seven. They're basically last in the SEC West at this point. USC is going to come off a win against Notre Dame, top 20 opponent there. Alabama won in the Iron Bowl today, not super convincingly, but still a 20-point win there. Clemson lost, so they're out of it. So you're really down to this top six that we've got here. Alabama sort of like a sitting duck here waiting to see what can happen if you look at their chances a lot would have to happen for them to make it and when you think about it unless you have a tcu and usc loss in their conference championships then alabama doesn't really have a shot in my opinion you've got to get those two losses and ohio state would have to make it along with alabama in order for that to happen but as we've got it right now tcu goes into next week with a solid chance, they'll likely be ranked number three next week. And then you've got USC likely going to be number four as well. Who do y'all – this is a question I had to ask um, for you, Roman, specifically. This this needs to be a conversation, I think, as of right now. Let's say USC wins next week, right? Then you've got let, – but let's say TCU loses, all right? Who do you put in, a one-loss TCU there or a one-loss Ohio State? I would say the one loss Ohio State. I think they're just clearly the better team here. I mean, TCU, you know, losing in a to a subpar Big 12 team, that's an automatic eliminator right there. The Big 12 is just not a good league this year. And TCU was the only elite team to come out of that bunch. So if they were to lose to, say, like a Texas or – wait, who, who else can face them? It's Texas – Kansas State. And, and I think it's Kansas State. Yeah, Kansas State. You're right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Kansas State. Yeah. Texas and Texas or Kansas State. Neither of those teams are even like close to Kansas, playoff contention. Kansas State's going to be top 10 next week. That's why I brought it up. Yeah. But I mean, I just don't think you can leave Ohio State out in that scenario. Brent. I think it comes down to money. 
uh, if TCU <laughs> loses. I'm, I'm going to be completely honest. Nah, you laugh, but it's true. They all – like, you want to know the reason that, that UCF didn't make the college football playoff when they went undefeated and they were arguably better than the Cincinnati team that made it last year is because they weren't going to bring in enough fans to make the college football playoff committee or whatever group runs it money. Uh, TCU is not going to make enough money compared to Ohio State. Ohio State, a one-loss team, is going to travel, take fans anywhere. TCU, not so much. Ohio State fans have done this before. They know what they're doing. They are going to bring in tenfold what TCU would bring in in their fan base. So I think at the end of the day, um, resume, I think resume goes to Ohio State. I think the better team goes to Ohio State. But really, they don't care who's going in as long as they bring So that's why I think that Ohio State ultimately would get the nod no matter what happens. Well, if TCU wins, then they'll probably give it to them. But if in the scenario in which TCU loses. Kansas State is currently leading Kansas by 13 with 10 minutes to go in the fourth quarter of that game. So. Okay. So they'll likely pull that out, yeah. So if so, one team would have to lose for Ohio State to make it. And in that case, <laughs> Michigan will likely trump Georgia because Georgia's got next week has to play LSU, who just lost. So do you all think – this is another question, Roman. You can start with this one. In a Michigan-Ohio State rematch in the college football playoff, who do you think would come out on top? Last year we saw Georgia and Alabama, SEC championship. Alabama took it. Georgia beat them in the playoff. A lot of people say it's hard to be a team twice. Who would you favor if we were to come to that? I think it depends on who plays for Ohio State. But depending on – I guess assuming that everyone is in there for both Michigan and Ohio State, I would probably take Ohio State to win that because I think, one, it's, hmm. they're the ones that are coming off of the loss. They're the ones that are going to be like per- perhaps more motivated to win. And, again, you just said it's hard to beat a team twice. It's really difficult because both of those teams are fantastic, and obviously Michigan just plastered them today, at least in the second half they did. But I would probably uh, favor Ohio State by a slight margin if they were to – have a rematch in the playoff yeah I would agree uh it is hard to beat a team twice that is one of the things I was going to say uh but also I man I just don't know uh, Michigan has a lot of weapons we saw Edwards today well that Quorum has been all season and if Quorum's back and healthy which I assume he will be by the time uh a rematch would come in the college football playoff that it would be really hard to slow him down but I just think Ohio State has the weapons um, I'm not going to go against – I picked them as my preseason champion. I'm not going to go against them, especially in a rematch. But I definitely – Michigan definitely has the means to w- win again. I just don't – like, it feels really weird picking Michigan to win after they just won against the uh, against Ohio State. It just doesn't sound right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. And, again, we got to review this. If TCU or USC win – it's pretty much a lock from then on out with Georgia, Michigan, TCU, and USC. Ohio State is going to be watching the TV, glued to the TV, very hard from here on out to see what's going to happen next week. Let's get into our current top stakes. We've been doing this as the playoff implications have continued to waver. Roman, you start us out. Give us your top six, six through one. Well, my six is going to be Alabama. It was going to be Alabama regardless of what happened in the A&M and LSU game because – at the end of the day, this is a two-loss team in the SEC uh, with two losses with a combined a combined margin of four points. They lost at LSU by one. They win that game but on both a neutral field and at home. 
Tennessee, they lose that by three. They win that, at least I think, on both a neutral field and at home. Alabama could very easily be number one in the, in the polls right now if mm-hmm. certain things went their way. But lo and behold, they didn't. They now sit at two losses with still an, out, an outside shot of making it in. But it's just unfortunate that the rebuilding Alabama Crimson Tide, uh, it, it, they are rebuilding according to Nick Saban, but sitting at number six with still a chance to make the playoff. Don't exactly buy that. But either way, I think Alabama deserves to be at six right now. Number five is going to be Ohio State. I do view them as a top four team in the country, but it'd be unfair to both TCU and USC to leave either of them out. So Ohio State's going to be sitting at five as a result. Number four is USC. Beat Notre Dame pretty convincingly earlier on tonight. Caleb Williams looks like the best quarterback in college football, perhaps even the best player in college football at the moment. He's just fantastic. Lincoln Riley has really led a renaissance over there. The Trojans are officially back and look poised to uh, win the Big 12 title next week. I mean, the Pac-12 title and secure their spot in the college football playoff. Speaking of the Big 12, TCU's at three. Pretty obvious there. Georgia's at number two, and Michigan is at Mm -hmm. number one. I think you have to put the Wolverines on top right now because beating Ohio State, who I previously thought was the number one team in the country on the road, that is by far the most impressive win of anybody this season especially for a Michigan team that's been scrutinized throughout the entire season. People were like, oh, their schedule's so weak. They suck. They don't deserve to be top three. Yada, yada, yada. Look at that. They're number one now, at least in my poll. So, yeah, that's my top six. Brett? All right, I'll get into my six. And, yes, I'm giving a shout-out to Penn State for seamlessly bumping themselves up to seven by winning today. Uh, Just a shout-out to my number seven because I had to throw it out there. Uh, with all the, with all the losses that came ahead of them, whether it be Oregon, Clemson, and LSU, they pretty much just right in there. But moving right into it, my six is is probably going to follow suit with Romans pretty much. My six is going to be Alabama. They're kind of just sitting there, kind of like USC has been uh, until they get to move in this week. Alabama sits there at six. Uh, missing out on the SEC title game is going to be huge. I just, I mean, they're they're really lucky. Uh, that they're still in the position that they're in, but I just, I don't I don't want to see them in the college football playoff, and I think that it's kind of stupid that a team that has two losses and isn't going to be playing for the conference championship in a four team playoff is going to have a chance to make it. But that that's just how it works, I guess. Um, number five for me has to be Ohio State. I agree with Roman. Last week I put in there um, as a one loss team over TCU, but I feel like I have to give it to. TCU and USC at this point they did lose and right now it's the prime time in the season for them and Ohio State is going to have to take their uh, lick their wound now and wait and see what happens um, with that being said uh, USC is going to be number four for me a convincing win over Notre Dame but you guys kind of convinced me last week that I need to keep the undefeated teams ahead of everybody else so TCU will be number three as disgusting as that is to say mm-hmm. they just don't look in place up there um, just throws it off a little bit Number two, seamlessly uh, fitting in with Romans, Georgia will be number two. Michigan will be number one. I just don't see how Michigan beats Ohio State and you don't put them at one. The best win so far this season by any team. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if Georgia is better than Michigan overall, uh, it, the poll is not based off that. Really, I don't feel like it's more uh, going by the weeks. 
if it was by best team, Alabama would probably still be up there in the top four because, as we all know, TCU is not one of the best four teams in college football, top to bottom. So Michigan will take my number one spot for this week, but Georgia will probably take it back next week uh, no matter what because Michigan plays an eight and four Purdue. Yeah, mine is – I'm not even going to move around the bush. It's the exact same thing. One through six should be the same when it comes to the college football playoff hole. Three and four, I think, would be the only discussion between TCU and USC. While I think USC is the better team, TCU is undefeated. You can't move them ahead of them no matter how much you want to. I think TCU has got to stay at three. They destroyed Iowa State today. And then the one and two conversation, if you look at last year, Michigan practically did the exact same thing to Ohio State except they did it at home. 42-27 to 27 was last year's score. This year, 45-23. to 23. And I do think that Georgia is the better team, and I do think that SEC is better than the Big Ten. And if we see that matchup in the championship, it might likely go the exact same way. But, however, J.J. McCarthy, when he talked to the reporter last, last week um, after the Illinois game, the, the reporter, which I didn't really like, she was like, you know, after this win at Illinois, I know you're obviously thinking about Ohio State, what do you think – how, or why do you think you can beat them next week? And he said, strictly, I think we're a better team than we were last year. And for him to say that is very, very confident after barely beating Illinois. But they proved it today. However, I do not think that they're the best team in the country at the moment. But you've got to put them at one, like Brent said. And then Ohio State, outside looking in, they've got to hope for a loss from either TCU or USC. Um, but that's going to wrap up the college football. Do you all have anything else to say? I mean, UCF almost lost. That was pretty cool. And some other upsets happened, like the Clemson-South Carolina game as well. Yeah, I have one thing to say. I'm just saying, with when you have the game on the line and you're down by three, you can either tie it or go for the win. <laughs> one, thing to, one thing you cannot do is roll your right-handed quarterback out to the left and have him throw uh, to essentially two receivers against four defensive backs. That's never going to work out for you. And if you call that play, you are an idiot and you should be fired immediately. <laughs> it's a little harsh. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, wow. either way, it was a bad throw. I think it was a bad throw. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying you're, you're putting your quarterback in a really bad position there, having him throw essentially cross body for the game. You know what I mean? Uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about Memphis. Uh, came back <laughs> due to a really weird, unsportsmanlike conduct call on the last drive of the game, then tied it up or had a chance to tie it up, rather. They're inside the 10-yard line, 15-yard line. They go for it with 14 seconds left, no timeout, and try to throw it in the back of the end zone, and Hennigan throws it in triple coverage. Memphis loses. Ryan Superfield goes 6-6 six and six and will likely keep his job, unfortunately. So. Yeah. Six and six overall, three and five in the American for the second straight season. Ryan Silverfield football, baby. Let's keep him for year four. Let's go. Brent, anything else? No. All righty. Well, let's get into some college basketball. I know it's only like week two or week three, but this has been extremely exciting. Feast week was just upon us. We had the Battle for Atlantis. We had the Maui Invitational, ESPN Events Invitational. We also had the Phil Knight classic over there on the west coast lots of good games that went around Roman we'll start with you who has been the most impressive team to you this past week as we just went through peace week 
I'm going to go with Connecticut for that. I think Dan Hurley's team has just been fantastic here. A, an absolute dominating win over Oregon, a team that all three of us had making the NCAA tournament, if I remember correctly, and then getting another 18-point victory against an Alabama team that I think is very, very good. I mean, Adam Sonogo here has just been very, very good for this Connecticut team, 20.6 points per game, 7.1 rebounds. Tristan Newton, the transfer from East Carolina, has also played a big part in this. 12, 13 points per game, five assists per game, and five rebounds per game. I mean, Tristan Newton is one of those guys that, you know, if you're watching AAC basketball all the time like uh, Jake and I do, you knew that he's a legit baller. But, you know, now that he's on this bigger stage at UConn, you know, people, people are trying to recognize him a bit more. Jordan Hawkins has also been – a really good player for this team, for Dan Hurley. And UConn is up to number eight at Ken Palm, which is very, very surprising. That's number one uh, of any team of the Big East right now. And mm. y- you can argue that, they're, that they should be even higher. Like Tennessee, I mean, they got a very good win over Kansas. But, you know, are they really number three? It, does Kentucky deserve to be fourth right now? I mean, that's I don't really know about that. I think UConn has just been very, very good to start the season. They are now. 7-0 and on the year, and they may be a bigger threat in the Big East than any of us previously thought, especially with Villanova looking like they could be having a down season, but we really have to wait until their full lineup gets there before we can really get that determination. But either way, UConn looks to be a very big threat to, to Creighton in the Big East right now. Brent? Yeah, um, my team is going to be out of the Big Ten. I'm going to take Purdue. Not Penn State, but I'll take Purdue. Maybe could have got you there when I said Big Ten. But I am going to go with Purdue. Uh, they've had a pretty good schedule to start out, and it just keeps getting better. Uh, beat Bryland's Big East ch- preseason champion in Marquette, 75 or 70, which doesn't seem too convincing. But Bryland had him winning the – so you could say that's a good score. Follow that up, beating West Virginia, Power 5 conference win over a team that uh, Joe Lenardi has on his bubble, uh, oh, 80-68. And then – the complete dropping of the number six in the country, not after this week, Georgia Bull- – uh, not Georgia, Gonzaga Bulldogs. Uh, <laughs> Definitely win- not Georgia. <laughs> winning 84-66. to 66. Uh, Roman, I won't, I won't even bring up the fact about – I won't even bring up anything about the fact that uh, you said that Gonzaga could win in any conference they went into uh, right that. away. But Purdue just dropped that. them. But, you know, we won't bring – I won't bring that up at all. That's okay. Uh, that doesn't matter. But overall, um, obviously, I won like that. I'm into the conversation for at least team of the week. Uh, that's a pretty impressive mm. win for a Purdue team who lost their best player uh, to the draft last year and Jaden Ivey. Um, Zach Eady just completely went off a big man that people are going to have to watch out for a little bit more. I think uh, lots of the media has been taken up by Baycott and Shibway, but I think Zach Eady is someone that people are going to need to keep an eye out for. I'm going into the season, but I think something else that's going to help Purdue is that tomorrow they take and they follow that up with a disappointing Florida state team so far, but it's still Florida state and it's a name brand team before they go to play teams like Minnesota and Hofstra who are just not the best team. So Duke is another big game coming off a game where you just completely destroyed Gonzaga. You get a chance to prove that it wasn't a fluke against Duke. If you can get a win against two top 10 teams in five days that that's gonna mm-hmm. that's gonna stir some things that's gonna stir the pot up so ultimately that's why they are my team of the week at least for this week and I think that it would add to that if they can beat Duke tomorrow at 2 30. 
going back to Sonogo for UConn, the dude is shooting 65% from the field and 53% from three. Like that, that's very good. That's a very good stat line uh, for UConn's number one score. Yeah, that's insane. And yeah, Purdue, Brent, Zach Eady was really in the shadows of Travion Williams last year. Now that he is the main guy at center, we're going to see him pop off this year. If you don't know who he is, 7'3", big man. He's a foreign guy. He just he knows how to play the game. He's really good. Um, but Purdue is absolutely going to destroy Florida State. They are, just, they are not impressive. So it'd, it'd be really cool to see if they can beat um, those three decent teams. Um, but for me, my team of the week is going to be the team that won the Maui Invitational. They proved that they can be a scary team this year. Mine's going to be the Arizona Wildcats. They beat Cincinnati, San Diego State, and Creighton in order to do it. They're now ranked ninth in Ken Palm. Even though Ken Palm is a little weird right now, they're still ranked top 10 and will undoubtedly be ranked inside the top 10 next week in the AP poll. And somehow they they found a way to continue to score the ball. I don't know if y'all watched it, but no one could stop them on the offensive end. And what was a loud and crazy Lahiana Civic Center, if y'all watch those games, I mean, the fans are right there. Like, it just seems very cramped. Like, the fans are sort of on the floor. To be able to continually score the ball at the fast pace that they do it, it's just very, very impressive. Amar Ball or – What's his face? Amar Balo is really, really good. Kirk Creesa is also really good. It seems like Creesa can just get a bucket at the right time whenever they need it most. He's averaging 15.3 so far on the year. And when you watch them, Arizona, no matter who they've played so far, they're going to make you play at their pace. The bigs run the floor incredibly. They're going to get down the floor. Like we said, Omar Balo and Azulis Tabellis is really, really good. He's averaging 19 and a half right now. It's just when you watch their team, they're going to outrun you. They're going to score the ball. They're going to shoot threes. And it just seems sort of like last year's team, the one seed team. They're just going to outscore you and they're going to make you run. And I'm just, I'm super impressed by their team. And as they get into Pac 12 play, when they're going to play teams sort of like UCLA, who likes to play that slow, grinded out, one on one matchup basketball, their play style is 100% more going to favor the March type of field that we're going to see. So I really like Arizona. I hate that I slept on them. I should have done more homework on them, honestly. Yeah, Jake, to piggyback off what you're saying, uh, lots of people were questioning coming into this year, especially with earlier games against Nichols Southern and Utah Tech, the fact that they were letting these teams put up so many points on Arizona, even though they were winning handedly, allowing 75, 78, and 77 to three teams who nobody really hears much of. They play these huge top 25 teams like people were concerned about their defense and yeah their defense has still been an issue allowing 93 points to Cincinnati uh, and 70 and 79 to San Diego State and Creighton but they're still finding ways to to score on an extremely high level score mm-hmm. at the best pace. I think that this team as far as defense goes as long as their offensive like prowess can outweigh their defensive struggles. It, it really doesn't matter how many points you let a team score when it comes mm-hmm. to March, as long as at the end of the day you get the win. Because if this team can put up an average of 92 points a game, they're, they're, I don't know how many teams in March are going to be able to keep up with that for much less a half, even a whole game. If you let them score 80 points, but you're scoring 95, like I, mm-hmm. I don't see – obviously defense is an issue, but this team has seemed to find a way to work themselves around that They have a date with Indiana coming up in three games. So that'll be another huge game. And then Tennessee as well before they head off to conference play. So still two huge games left on the non-conference schedule to kind of help like settle in that resume before they get to Pac-12 play. 
<laughs> yeah, and when you play such a fast type of basketball, of course other teams are going to score a lot of points because they also have more opportunities. Cincinnati put up 70 shots against Arizona, 70, including 34 three-pointers. Like, if you play Arizona and you like to score the ball, go ahead and do it, but you are not going to outscore this Arizona team. Obviously, it's very hard to say that they're going to continue with this amount of, you know, putting up shots and scoring ability. But the way they look right now, it seems like even if they put up, what, 33s a game and miss 20 of them, they still got Umar Balo and Tubelis down low who can get as many offensive rebounds as you want. So I really like this team. Their depth is amazing. But let's move on to the latter end of this conversation. We've got most impressive. But, Roman, who's been the least impressive? Who's been very underwhelming for you? Uh, for me, that's Kansas. Just a very disappointing outing last night against Tennessee. I mean, Tennessee is obviously a very good team. But the Vols were far uh, from their best last night. They only put up 64 points. Santiago Vescovi was their leading scorer with 20 in 36 minutes. But overall, it's just a game that you expect a team like Kansas to win. Jalen Wilson was the leading scorer uh, along with uh, Yosefu for the Jayhawks with 14 in, in 39 minutes. I mean, Kansas just had a very bad day offensively. And they just didn't quite do enough defensively to get it done. I mean, if Kansas expects to be a national championship contender again, I mean, that's a game that you probably need to win. And obviously, it's November. It's very early. And you're in the Big 12 with a lot of quad one and quad two opportunities. So it's not going to affect your NCAA tournament resume or anything like that. But still, that was a big opportunity for the Jayhawks to get a, you know, a statement-making non-conference win against a team that got absolutely mauled by Colorado just a few weeks ago. So very disappointing for Kansas that they couldn't get that one against Tennessee. Yeah. um, I'm going to go with North Carolina and Mm. you, and you can question it, but I mean, when you look at the game, when you look at the games that they've won, sorry, I'm about to cough again. I'm struggling today. (laughs) When you look at, I know, I'm sorry. When you look at the games that they've won, UNC Williamton, Charleston, who right now looks like a really good win. Gardner-Webb, James Madison, Portland, who also looks good, but then a loss to Iowa State. Here's, here's the thing about the wins and the loss that they have. Four or three of those games are against pretty much nobody teams, UNC Williamson, Gardner-Webb, and James Madison. Charleston is having a really good year right now, and Portland ended up doing really well in the tournament that they were in. I can't remember which one it was, but oh, nice. the Bill Knight, Bill Knight tournament, they ended up doing really well in that. But still, being as the number one team in the country, being able to barely squeeze out a win against a mid-major in Portland is just unacceptable. And then going back and losing to an Iowa State team who, I mean, is starting out the season well, but is nowhere near even as good as they were last year, in my opinion. And I just don't, as an, again, it's something probably that has to do with being the number one team in the country. When you're this highly ranked coming into the season, you're not supposed to lose to the unranked teams to start the year. They have Alabama and Indiana coming up next, and then a good Virginia Tech team. I'm not convinced that they can't that they couldn't go in there and lose to all three of those teams just based off the fact that they're they lost to an Iowa State team who isn't ranked, and that's just not how it's supposed to go. You're ranked number one in the country. You have arguably player in college basketball on your team, and you just it doesn't look like you're ready. They don't look ready to play these teams, and it's honestly disappointing. 70 to 65, I mean, that's a pretty low score, but 65 for the number one team in the country getting shut down by not even a top 25 team, 
that that's mm-hmm. pretty wild to me. And obviously, there's a lot of season to go, but just the number one to um, somebody that no one would even expect. Like you can say the Kansas loss, yes, that's true, but they lost to still a ranked Tennessee team and a still good Tennessee team. Iowa State might be undefeated, but they're by no means as good as Tennessee right now. But there's no reason that North Carolina should lose being the number one team in the country to a school like Iowa State. I mean, obviously it's disappointing for North Carolina to lose to Iowa State, but when you have a player like Caleb Grill go off for 29 points, it's going to be hard to beat anybody. Like when you have a guy with that hot of a hand who can seemingly score at will, it's tough to win regardless of who you're playing. Yeah, and Iowa State, after losing Brockington and Tyrese Hunter, that that's just embarrassing. Caleb Grill is literally just like a spot-up shooter. But yeah, right. dropping 31 against North Carolina is pretty impress- impressive, yeah. Yeah, that's how I, you're going to beat him. It's just I'm not, high I'm not volume saying that shooting. Caleb Grill is a great player or anything, but when he has the hot hand, it's hard to beat anybody. Yeah, for sure. And I, I was going to say Kansas, and I still will talk about them, um, but another one I've got to mention has got to be Villanova. They've been – I know they have don't have their best player, and I'm still confident that they can win the Big East. But to drop three straight this week, including Michigan State, Iowa State, and Portland, it's just not promising. Even without your best player, you you can't be happy about it. I mean, the, it comes a point where that can't be an excuse anymore. Just to lose three straight, including the loss at Temple, who Vanderbilt went and beat in Philadelphia, just, just not impressive. But the team I want to focus on as well, Roman, is going to be Kansas I'm just – I'm not very impressed by them at all. I got to watch some of their games in Atlantis. I had, a, had some downtime when I was at my grandparents in Jackson this week or this past Friday and Thursday. And I'm just – I'm not I'm not impressed. A lot of people are talking about him like they could go back-to-back. Back. I mean, I, I'm assuming, assuming y'all saw that ESPN article about can Kansas repeat. Like, they, they just aren't living up the preseason hype that many expected them up to live to. They got beat by Tennessee in the in the championship and only scored 50 points. And I just – I don't think they're that one-seed-level team, if you ask me. Grady Dick looks like their best player as a freshman. And the most – the problem for me is that – and I questioned this from the beginning of the year, that they're asking they're asking Jalen Wilson to be this Ochai Abaji-type player when that is nowhere near the role that he played last year. And I know he's averaging 23 points right now, but his efficiency is very, very bad for a guy that you're asking to be your leading scorer. And I just – I don't like it, to be honest with you. Their, their best scorer right now is a freshman who is a high-volume three-point shooter. He's like a 6'8 shooter, which it just – I don't know. It just doesn't work out very well, if you ask me. Jalen Wilson is not Ochai Abaji, and they're forcing him to be in a role that he he did not play last year. And while they may be 6-1 and one, and they only lost by 14 to Tennessee, I'm just – I'm not super high on them right now, and I don't expect them to be that team. So that's why that's who I'll pin as the most underwhelming. Um, but then we'll move on to the last question of the college basketball conversation. Roman, who has been the best breakout player so far for you? Well, I was talking about Tristan Newton, a transfer from East Carolina earlier on. And I'm going to go to another East Carolina transfer in Jaden Gardner for Virginia. I think that he has really come in and provided the scoring impact that the Cavaliers didn't exactly have last year. He isn't exactly their best player. But he's provided some very good minutes for them. Had 26 points against uh, Maryland Eastern Shore uh, on 80% shooting from the field. So that's obviously very good. He also had a 12-point outing against the number 19 team in the country, Illinois. That was a 70-61 to victory for Virginia. I know you want me to say somebody like Caleb Grill here. And he played a phenomenal game uh, against you know North Carolina. But I wanted to go with somebody that 
I think has a bit more of a chance to actually keep this kind of play up throughout the season. And I mean, if you watch these Carolina basketball last year, you know, especially their games against Memphis, you know that Jaden Gardner is a great player. Absolute debt. He like, he's deadly from inside of the arc. Like from mid range, you can't really stop him. He's just a big guy who's going to tower over you and make shots no matter what you do. And I think he, people are really starting to see that more on a national level now that he's with a bigger school like Virginia. So, yeah, Jaden Gardner, definitely a player who I think definitely, you know, made a name for himself this week. Yeah, he was, he was playing for Virginia that. last year. Um, Jeremy Shin Shiman. He played for Virginia last year. But even then, he was he was a double just like, asserted his will very much. He was just – he was very passive. And, I don't know, I didn't like him very much last year. But you're right. Him in Virginia this year, Kihei Clark's back for his senior year. I really like what he's been doing. He was he was locks at East Carolina. Yeah, mine's going to be Chris Murray uh, from Iowa. Mm-hmm. I think that last year he spent most of the season kind of playing second fiddle. To his, not even second fiddle, but he was just sitting behind his brother all year. Didn't really have an opportunity to shine. And this year he's had a really good opportunity. I think he's taking advantage of it. I mean, today they just got destroyed by TCU, and that was disgusting. But we're not going to focus on that. We're going to focus on the – 21 points per game, 8.8 rebounds to go along with 39.3% three-point shooting, which is just a pretty good pretty good start to the season. I mean, obviously, I think that this is somebody who can keep this kind of play up and somebody who's going to give you this kind of output uh, night in and night out. And I look forward to seeing him uh, continue this level of production because I think he can. But also Patrick McCaffrey. I think that him and Chris Murray are going to be a really good duo this year. McCaffrey's averaging 16.2 to go along with 5.2 rebounds and 40% from three. I think that those two guys are going to be a really big duo in the Big Ten, um, and they're going to make some waves. 25 now um, in the college basketball rankings, I think that they drop out with the loss to TCU this week. Um, But overall, I think that they're a really good duo. Uh, Chris Murray's a really good player, and I think that as long as he keeps this up, I think so far he's earned – underrated player to kind of step into the spotlight. I think I'll keep it up as well. I know you're more of a big 10 guy. How was he last year compared to this year? What do you think he's elevated with his game? Well, I mean, I kind of said how I think he played backup. Um, I just think that he, last year he didn't really get many opportunities uh, to be that guy. Cause obviously Keegan Murray was going to take those kind of opportunities away from him. So I, like last year, he only averaged 9.7 points a game. That so 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 far this is a huge jump in points per game. He also only played around 18 minutes a game, and right now he's playing around 30. So he's getting a lot more opportunities to showcase his talent, showcase his skills, and he's really playing this main guy. Obviously, Iowa lost a lot more than just Keegan Murray last year, but still, I think that the fact that he is able to just kind of step right into this role and be the player that Iowa needed him to be, kind of like Keegan was is really, really important. And I just think that the flashes so far from what he's been able to show in the first six games that he's played is really encouraging. But I think – I honestly – I think that there's a chance that he's averaging like 24 or something like that by the time the, the season is over just because I think that he has such a good skill skill set being a forward who can shoot the three, who can play inside, is big enough to kind of play against these other bigger, lankier forwards and stuff like that. He has a chance to – make a name for himself in the Big Ten this year and in Iowa. Honestly, I don't know how people tell him and his brother apart. They look the exact same. <laughs> like, I'm, are you sure they didn't draft Chris Murray last year? Like, <laughs> they, look, they look pretty similar. But for me, 
I'm going to go with a mid-major guy. Um, I don't. I doubt y'all have ever heard of him. Maybe Roman has because he committed to Memphis for a little bit for his freshman year. But I'm going to go with Connor Vanover from Oral Roberts. If you oh, don't know gosh, who he Connor is, Connor Vanover. Yes, the, the last he's, Tubby recruit. Yes, he's popping off, man. If you don't know who he is, he's a seven-five big man, averaging fourteen points per game, eight and a half rebounds, and four and a half blocks. He's top three in blocks so far. In college basketball, he originally committed to play for Memphis, left, went to California, then went to Arkansas, didn't do much. And now he's playing with Max Abmus, who made the Sweet 16 a couple years ago after beating, I think it was Ohio State and Arkansas in order to get there in March Madness. I really like this team. They're 3-3 three and three right now. But when it comes to the end of the season and end of March, I really like this lob game that they could have with Abmus, who is most likely going to be a probably second-round draft pick this year as a senior, and then you've got Connor Vanover. Anybody that's 7'5 is, is going to rebound the ball pretty efficiently, averaging 8.5 right now, as I said. So I could really see that. I mean, when you talk about Zach Eady, he's a little more skilled with his feet, but Vanover's two inches taller than him. So I, I could really see something happen this year. They look really awesome together, and I like their potential. So do you have anything else on the college basketball talk? We can talk about Memphis a little bit. Not super hot right now. Lost to Seton Hall in a heartbreaker. That that made me really sad. I don't. I don't know. They looked very dominant against Nebraska the very next day, though. I mean, they should be four and one right now. But you know, Correct. it's college basketball. Stuff happens, and they're not. Uh, I don't. I'm not very concerned about that loss to Seton Hall. If I know from Memphis's perspective, they looked oh, once again very good yesterday against the Cornhuskers. Had their best three point shooting uh, game. Of the season, Kendrick Davis hit like two or three. Keontae Kennedy had a few. Same with Jaden Hardaway. Even Alo had two of them. <laughs> so if they can keep, you know, something of that up, then they should be fine. And even if they don't, this is still a very good defensive team that Memphis has. And the scoring that Kendrick Davis, DeAndre Williams, and eventually Demaria Franklin provides, yep. that should be enough for this Memphis team to be a high-level team that gets to the NCAA tournament and perhaps can get to the second weekend. But going back to Connor Vanover, I mean, it's pretty wild that he's doing this at Oral Roberts now. He was once upon a time going to be Tubby Smith's center of the future. He was obviously never going to fit in with a Penny Hardaway Memphis team. But it's still pretty cool to see him doing, you know, the things that he's doing at Oral Roberts. You know, I'm just now hearing about it, obviously. But yeah, with Memphis, I'm not too concerned about the Seton Hall loss. And I expect them to look very good also tomorrow morning against Stanford. Those were just that and the St. Louis game were just two really good opportunities for what will be a quad one quad one wins. I was so disappointed at the Seton Hall loss, man. And even even in close games, which mm -hmm. I, I like that because we're missing an 18 point per game score in Demaria Franklin and we're losing in close games like I, I'm fine with it. I just other than Kendrick Davis, it's just really hard to see that go to score. And I mean, DeMar DeAndre Williams has to fix it, fix those foul issues. So there's Can a he lot of stuff we could we could wish for right now. He only had three yesterday, though. Who, and, DeAndre? Yeah, he only had three. Yeah, I know. They, it was just and, dumb, though. It took him out of the game for some. And Vanderbilt will likely be a quad one win at the end of the year. Oh, you think so? I mean, if they all, all they have to do is remain top 75 in the net, and I think they're good enough to do that. So, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Brent, thoughts on Memphis? Thoughts on Penn State? What's going through your mind? Nothing. Nothing. But, but I, you don't you don't want to brag about Penn State's amazing three point shooting and their victories over only God knows who. You don't want to talk about that. Uh, you know, 
I'll save my talking for when we actually make it to March. <laughs> uh, you know, going going like back to Memphis for a second, they're obviously in the ESPN Invitational. The championship of that is going to be Ole Miss and Oklahoma. And I'm just hoping that Oklahoma just puts Ole Miss down in that because if if they don't, I'm going to have Ole Miss people all, all, up in, all up in my mentions being like, oh, my gosh, we won the tournament that Memphis is in. That means we're good. We're better than Memphis. We technically beat Memphis because we beat the team that beat the team that beat Memphis. Whoa, la, 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 la. Like, Oklahoma, like, Ole Miss isn't even top 50 at Ken Palm, and they're like 6-0. and That's how bad they are. Like, and it, it you, they tried to tell me the exact same thing after Ole Miss got an upset win over Memphis last season, and I was like, well, Memphis will be in the NCAA tournament and Ole Miss won't even make the NIT, lo and behold, that's exactly what happened. So, I like, Ole Miss is a basketball poverty program, and they're going to remain that way forever. Hey, we've got them next week, though. December yeah, 3rd. I, I, I cannot wait for that. Yeah, you better be and, in the form for that game. Yeah, and, and, if, they, and if, they, if they just so happen to win again, then the same thing will happen again. We'll still make the tournament, and they will still not even make the NIT. Most likely correct. Well, let's get to some week recaps. Brent, we'll start with you. What's been going on this week? You've got Thanksgiving. Tell us where you were. Uh, well, I'm back in Memphis now, but I was in Panama when we recorded last week. I was there um, until we left earlier this morning and got Well, P has disconnected. I don't know where he is. Roman, go ahead. How has your week recap been until we get Roman or until we get Brent back? I mean, man, it was Thanksgiving. It was, it was a great week. was off of school for the whole thing. Uh, went to Memphis VCU on Sunday. A great experience. I do have to just point out, and Jake, I'm sure you're quite aware of this, but for those of you that don't regularly go to Memphis basketball games at the FedEx Forum, like just the amount of effort that they put into the game day experience for the Forum compared to Memphis football games at the Liberty Bowl, mm. it's immaculate. It's not even close. Like They just put so much more effort into the presentation in just the overall experience, the band over there has like a full on drum set, drum set and all that. Like, it's just, it's wild how much or, you know, effort they put into the, once again, the game day experience at the FedEx forum. But yeah, that was a good experience. I watched Kendrick Davis go off for 26 points. Phenomenal. And, you know, moving up to Thursday, obviously Thanksgiving day, ate all sorts of good food. Um, Bills and Lions. I watched that. Obviously, it's a fun game. Cowboys Giants was also a pretty solid game. Dallas ended up pulling that out at the end. But yeah, other than that, just been sitting around watching college basketball for the most part. Obviously, been keeping a close out, close eye on the ESPN Invitational, but also other tournaments as well, like the Maui one. And it's been a lot of college football today. Overall, just a very chill week. Brent, you're back. Fill us in. Yeah, sorry guys. I closed my I closed my computer and it disconnected me by accident. So that's my fault. But uh this week I was in Panama for Thanksgiving. We've done that since my freshman year, so keeping that uh young tradition alive, I guess. Um spent my a lot of my family's birthdays including my own there. Uh watched a lot of football. I had a fun Thanksgiving on the beach. It was fun. Uh but other than that, it was just lots of chilling. Uh, lots of celebrating birthdays and holidays and stuff like that. But now I'm back in Memphis and uh, get to go back to school again. So, so much fun. 
I, I have I have three more days of classes less next week, and then I'm done for the semester. There you go. When do y'all go back? January seventeenth. Oh, you got a while. That's awesome, man. The college life treats you a little better than us in high school, man. Yeah, yeah, man. Like wake, like not having to wake up at five o'clock in the morning to go to school. It, it's it's a life changing experience. <laughs> it really gives you a whole new perspective on things. <laughs> Uh, I love that. Well, we're still over here waking up at five, but not this past week, man. It was it was chill. It was fun. Um, let's see what I did. Thanksgiving was the highlight. Um, been a lot of a lot of homework that I've had to do. For some reason, I keep getting essay assignments in English. Brent can attest to that. So that's been really bad. I hate getting those. Um, so a lot of homework. That's been kind of what's been you know the time is filled in other than Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving was cool, as you saw on the Minnesota's Instagram. I went to Nashville to see my dad's side of the family, and then I went to Jackson, Tennessee, to see the mom's side of the family. It was super awesome. I had a blast at both places. Um, in Jackson, we had some really good food. We got some really good family time. Um, if you if you know my family, you know we love board games. We played a lot of board games while we were there. Uh, solid time hanging out with the family, and um, yeah, lots of writing today. I you know I have to admit that I did a lot of writing. I got like I probably wrote over like. 1500 words today but also there was a lot of like peaking at ESPN the whole time the whole entire day so I guess you can fill in a little bit of procrastination with that but overall it's been a good week um chill week not not in school so that's been pretty cool what have you had to write about so much so so the writing I had to write a scholarship essay so that wasn't wasn't very fun but it's for money so I'll, I'll take it but then get this we have to write a essay about how we write an essay. Oh, like For, your writing process? Yes, literally well, writing. About I have your to do the process. exact same thing in my comp class right now. Believe it or not, we might be taking the same English class actually. Because it's we're called an auto ethnography. Is that what they're calling? Yep, it? that's exactly yep. what we're doing. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> Wait, we've been taking the same class English? All Is it dual enrollment English? Yes. Yeah. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Wait, so you've written four essays too? Yeah, I mean, four essays ain't a lot for a comp class, but I mean. Yeah, it's just, it's tough, man. I didn't know that. You could have given us some QDJ answers the whole year. I didn't know that. I, I, I didn't know you were taking dual enrollment English. <laughs> uh, we, need to, we need to use that source from now on, Brent. You can't say that out loud, Jake. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I doubt Miss Jones is listening, though, so I think we'll be okay. But what if somebody from the school board is? You can't say that. Oh, whoopsie. Well, we're going to hey, end it there. You never said you were going to cheat. <laughs> yeah, it's called using your resources. Yeah, using your resources. There you go. That's, that's exactly what it is. Uh, well, Brent, we got a big week. We got we got to produce some shows this week, don't we? Oh, yeah. It's gonna yep. be he's like, fun. yeah, I'm excited <laughs> for that. Brent's just bummed because he's got to go run for 40 minutes after this. Why do you yeah. have to run? At, why do you have to run at forty minutes at eleven o'clock at night? Because I was in the car for ten hours today. Why? Why can't you run for forty minutes like tomorrow morning or something? Tomorrow's my off day. Wait, oh, <laughs> the life—the life of a future college runner, Roman. We can never relate, Roman. <laughs> well, whatever. Y'all have any other thoughts on uh, the twenty-seventh episode? It was pretty fun. Uh, yeah, it was very fun. Looking forward to next week.
You say that about all the episodes, but yet for some reason, only 22 people seem to think that last episode was fun. So go yeah, back we, and watch it. Yeah, go back and watch last episode Listen. for sure. It was really good. Brandon this Roman be, had like a like a come to Jesus moment. It, it got pretty intense. This one will be even easier to listen to because it's going to be like 20 minutes shorter. <laughs> Not if we don't wrap it up. Y'all done? Were you done? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I just gave him a closing right, statement. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you for listening to the 27th episode of Men in Hoodies. Obviously, go follow the Instagram, lowercase men dot in dot hoodies. Go follow that. I believe we're up to about 130 now. So go check those out. If you're waiting for a hoodie, those will come out in just like a week and a half. We're waiting for those. We're ready to put those on. But yeah, that's going to be it. Go check out the Men in Hoodies website at brentlions23.wix.com. Go check that out. But as far as this goes, we will see you next week for the 28th episode. The water chose me.